Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on. Hello and welcome to Talking Tourism. I'm your host today, Luke Martin, and my day job is as the CEO of the Tourism Industry Council of Tasmania. Talking Tourism is the podcast series especially for tourism operators and tourism professionals. Talking Tourism is an initiative of Tourism Industry Council Tasmania, the peak industry body for tourism in the beautiful state of Tasmania. And today's episode is being sponsored and supported by the Tasmanian Government. Today's episode is a part of a series of podcasts being released every fortnight through the COVID-19 crisis to keep Tasmanian tourism operators up to date with the latest news and developments with the crisis as it relates to our tourism industry, the support and assistance being made available by the state and federal governments and industry bodies, and also to start thinking about some of the recovery programs and initiatives that we're going to pursue as we build out of our our post-COVID-19 recovery. Today's episode is a special one. Um, we, we Each fortnight, we're going to speak to some operators about their lived experience of going through the process of COVID-19, what are the decisions and, and processes they're making in their own business to enable their business to survive and also recover. And this week, I'm talking to what are arguably probably the two most experienced and, and respected figures in Tasmanian tourism, Ian Rankin and Simon Current. Ian Rankin or Ranks and Simon are well known to probably every tourism operator in the state for different reasons and um, have been in the industry for decades. And what I thought would be a really positive and constructive thing to do was to bring them together um, and talk about their experience of going through COVID-19 as operators and also their perspective and their their insights as experienced people who know Tasmanian tourism as well as anyone about how we can uh, work our way out of this. So joining me first uh, is Ian Rankin. Um, G'day, Ranks. Good morning, Lou. Thanks for joining me. Um, look, I know you well, and I know a lot of our listeners will, but perhaps uh, a potted little history of, um, you know, what is it, what, four, five, how many decades are we up to of uh, investment in Tasmanian tourism? <laughs> um, I was in short pants in the mid-70s, Luke. I started selling Cadbury tickets off the front counter of what would now be called the Hobart Travel Centre. Ten years with Tourism Tasmania uh, in Adelaide and Sydney, and I returned here in the mid-80s to work with uh, Lloyd Clark, who many will know, who at the time had the Abus franchise and subsequently uh, bought into the Innkeepers Group. And um, a long, long time with Innkeepers, still running Innkeepers, but along the way, about 12 months ago, Lloyd and I expanded our investment in tourism together, and uh, we purchased the Tas Vacation business. Right. Uh, just just on twelve months ago. So so you, the distribution. So your your markets essentially as operators, uh, you are all about booking holidays to Tasmania. So how's business at the moment? <laughs> there isn't any look. Mm. Um, we were having a pretty reasonable year up until uh, mid March, and we were somewhat consoled, I suppose, by the fact that uh, we weren't overly exposed to the inbound market and felt that people travelling in Australia would. Uh, you know, given that it's eighty percent of Tasmania's market anyway, would uh, would see Tasmania ride it out. But uh, all that changed. I think it was the twentieth of March. It should be etched in all our minds. But twentieth, twenty first of March, when the borders shut, that was the game changer. And uh, like many people, um, we're not on our own. We know that. But uh, there's basically no business now at all. So, so let's we'll, we'll get to that while you're doing your own business in a moment. But in forty odd years, have you ever seen <clears> anything quite like this? 
<laughs> the simple answer to that's no. Um, there's been no precedent for anything of this nature. Uh, there's been many challenges along that journey, Luke, as you know. Uh, each crisis has brought unique challenges, but the ones that impact Tasmania mostly are, of course, all those that are related to access. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've had things like uh, the Port Arthur Massacre is one that really hasn't been talked about a lot, but it had a it had a localised effect. It was an issue for Tasmania, whereas all the others have been on a more major scale. It's been a national impact, um, whether it be the GFC or the pilots' dispute is one that's you know, probably the closest in terms of the impact on access. So, yeah, it's it's there's nothing nothing at all like this, and and the reality is. Because there's such an important and crucial health-related issue with this, yeah. no one really knows the end date. Yeah, that's that's the fundamental difference, isn't it? The my sense is that a lot of the other incidents were uh, very almost like the, the 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 crisis happened or the disruption happened, and then it was a build almost immediately or a recovery period. Um, whereas this, we we're just such an un, unknown time frame of when we can even start those you know, tangible kind of recovery initiatives or when markets will resume or reactivate. It's it's, it's quite unprecedented, yeah. isn't it? It is. And um, those who have been in the industry for, well, let's say 30 years at least, they'll remember the pilots' dispute of 1989. Um, you know, we've all had cause to reflect on what it was like then. It it, it was not a health-related issue. It was purely government and unions that uh, were driving the disruption effectively and, you know, without getting into politics, Hawke and Keating at the time, they largely determined the time frame for that and they became and, and and it became something that was able to be managed politically, whereas this is just so totally different. And I, I guess in talking about this, it, it, we need to be mindful. No one wants to sound like an economist or a, or too prophetic around these sort of things because no one really knows the answers. Mm. But I, I just hold to the, the view that Having gone through all these range of experiences over that 40-year or so journey, given time to reflect on these as we look back in maybe five years, 10 years, and in some cases people 20 and 30 years' time, they'll look back and it'll be effectively a blip on the radar, mm. uh, a big blip or bit, and I, it's probably not going to be a V-shape. It may well be more of a U-shape that people are talking about. Yeah. But, but assuming that we can get on top of the health issues and everyone's working towards doing that and beating it, uh, you know, we will recover. Um, it's going to take some time, well, a that, long time. That's the one thing that's always given me comfort. And the one thing we do have being an island is is fantastic historical data on visitation and the TVS, Tasmanian Visitor Survey, obviously provides that that track of, um, of, of activity going back over 20 years. And one thing that's given me a lot of comfort over the last few weeks is when you look at the, the period immediately following those incidents, again, this one's you know, on a different scale and, and different to others. But when you look at, you know, the GFC, 9-11, the pilot strike, we, we do bounce out as well as any destination probably could expect to and, and certainly compared to other parts of the country. But also um, to your, your blip on the radar message, we've always come back stronger and better eventually and, and that perhaps goes to our brand and our quality as a destination, you think, or um, what is it that you reckon achieves that for us? Well, I think fundamentally Tasmania's enjoyed very strong organic growth over many years. Um, there's been a number of catalysts for our spikes in visitations and on reflection with some of those things that occurred, and if you think of the pilots' dispute in isolation in 1989, 
it was only a couple of years later in 1991 where we welcomed the first of the new spirits of Tasmania. Yeah. Um, it, it was a single vessel at the time. There were the two the two spirits didn't come until memory serves me correctly, 2002, 2003, somewhere around there. Yep. But but in 1991, we took a significant leap forward from the Able Tasman to what was, I think it might have been the Peter Pan, yep. um, that became the first of the spirits. So that was two years. And, and I want to make this point because we're actually fortunate in some respects that we're actually going to face that same prospect in the next couple of years with yep. the two new ships the government have committed to. Now, they're not the single reasons, but um, I think... Our overall brand attributes, our islandness, and indeed our close proximity to our main markets, um, Victoria, New South Wales, Southeast Queensland. Um, affordable access remains critical to our recovery, and our main markets are pretty close. So, uh, so right, uh, so right now, from an industry perspective, and we should make this point as well as your your significant business interests you also you sit on obviously the TRCT board and have done for many many years and and also you're uh, on the tourism Tasmania board and you actually serve in that position as as a nominee of the industry as a representative of the industry to, as much as um as much as as a director in your own right and yeah um, so you're very much in the thick of this planning and strategy both from an industry perspective and, and obviously from tourism Tasmania and government's perspective um, what do you think are the absolute fundamentals we need to get right over the next um next few weeks and months to make sure that, you know, we, we can build that structure for those recoveries you mentioned from the past incidents? Uh, look, I think the fundamentals, uh, the first and foremost is business survival for everybody and um, it's inevitable there'll be casualties. Uh, there's always casualties at times like this, but um, those that do pull through it will be stronger for the for the, uh, for the experience. So we need to take this opportunity to refine our business, improve our products and basically take the chance to work on our business instead of in it for a while. Um, it sounds a little macabre, almost if that's the right word, but <laughs> I never thought I'd get a chance to take long service leave, but it's the nearest thing to it where you mm. can actually take a bit of a deep breath and work on your business and start looking and planning for the future. But to come back to the fundamentals, really, I think in terms of the recovery, um, we do have a new tourism brand. It was launched in an ideal time, really, you wouldn't want to be mm. launching it now, but the fact that it went to market late last year, I think the come down for air branding of Tasmanian tourism is a brand for the times. I think we'll be well served by the work of the last few years in bringing that to life. So we need to build on that. But the absolute critical thing will be access and affordable access. Mm. My fear is that if we go back to 2004 or pre-Jetstar, for example. Um, from memory, I think we were somewhere in the order of 500,000 visitors. We had high desire, awareness and intent in all the holiday tracking that we were managing at that time. But conversion was the key issue. And the advent of discounted air travel in particular opened the market to Tasmania and we've seen sustained growth ever since. So my fear is that we go back to a point where we have to rebuild from that. Now, I think the $64 million question is really the airlines have got all this capacity, they've got all these aircraft sitting around, they've got the crew. We know it's not going to get back to 100% anytime soon, but what does 50% look like? What does 75%, what does 90% look mm -hmm. like in the, in the foreseeable future? And what timeframes are there for that? We're fortunate we've got national government, state governments, everybody rowing the same direction yep. to ensure we have a quick 
or as, as practical as possible, a quick economic recovery. So getting that access for us and the strength of the Tassie brand and our proximity to our major markets, I think, are key to our recovery so, and maintaining a presence in the market. And clearly we are, we've, we've lived this experience as much as anyone, but we're sitting over the uncertainty around particularly Virgin uh, at the moment and all the talk around a second carrier. Um, we know better than any destination probably in the country the risks if we were going to lose that duopoly of, um, of airline carriers into the into the state and um, clearly a second carrier is going to be fundamentally important, whoever that is. Uh, it, it will be, Luke. In fact, uh, in preparation for today's interview, um, I reflected on uh, what happened in the early 2000s with uh, the first and second iterations of Compass. Yeah. So if, if Virgin were to disappear, um, a new entrant almost inevitably would come along, but Qantas would be very aggressive about any competitor and uh, I'm sure they'd defend their market position very, very strongly. Um, we know that Virgin has got ownership spread across the world through Asia and China and so forth, and Branson's got, what, 10%. But, yeah. you know, if there's a potential there for a major a 49% investment from whichever, and, you know, if you think of Singapore, probably be a, um, a viable consideration, but that's a, that's a discussion that's really separate to to well beyond my expertise. Yeah. But in short, I think we need to maintain definitely um, two, two major carriers in the country to ensure that we've got competitive fares. Yeah. And as long as there's competition, that should help not just Tasmania but the whole of Australia yeah. return to some level of you know frequency and capacity and, and desire for travel. Yeah, I think it's clear that the recovery is going to be hard enough about the the loss of a competitive market tension in, in air access. Indeed. And, 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 and you know, 80, I know I know it's within the couple of points either way, but 80% of our visitors come by air, yeah. 80%, 83%, whatever it is. And it follows that 15 to 20, whatever, the, I can't remember the exact figures off the top of my head, but the ships, uh, I touched on it a little earlier, that they are going to be ever more important as we go forward because they're government-owned. Yeah. We can run day and night if need be. They're yeah. going to be bigger the next two years when we get those other two much larger vessels that are going to add 45% capacity. Australia will continue to tour. There may be a propensity for people to pack up their car and travel more in their own vehicle rather than potentially fly. Yeah. Um, I, I see those as significant assets that Tasmania can use effectively um, to, to encourage greater touring travellers into Tassie, which is what our entire intent has been for the last number of years. So we know so, uh, when when the green lights lift for the border restrictions and we, we're going to be starting off at ground zero with um, with you know, the airlines or Virgin particularly, I mean, they've got, no, I think, no flights coming to the state at the moment, um, whereas no. the, those ships will be sitting there ready to go, full capacity, as you say, dub, double sailings when required. So they are fundamentally an opportunity for us as well as, and it's you know, going to be critically important to that recovery straight out the blocks as soon as the time's right. Absolutely. Now, we, we we need to be using those assets unashamedly, uh, as aggressively as we possibly can. All right. So just back to your own business. So you're obviously in a position where a lot of operators are where, from what you're saying, you're, you're going long service leave. That's a good language to use, I think, rather than hibernation. Um but um, you're obviously not a business that's looking towards any kind of intrastate market. You're you're very much planning your um, reopening or resumption around when the time's right to be able to be setting up or, or selling to for an interstate and overseas market, aren't you? 
Yeah, that's right, Luke. I mean, our whole proposition is really bringing value to people's holiday experiences by booking the more complex holidays. So the intrastate market, my view there is that if you're in Hobart and you're wanting to get away for a weekend, you'll, you'll certainly book the East Coast property directly. Yeah. Uh, if you want to go to Cradle Mountain or Strawn or wherever, uh, let's hope that 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 will be an important part of the recovery process for our industry partners. But I don't expect that our business has vacations or innkeepers will uh, benefit dramatically from that. Our, our core is really around interstate and international. So um, I want to make the point, though, Luke, we, we haven't actually shut. Uh, uh, of course, still taking bookings? Well, yes, we are, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> I'm delighted to say yep, it's Monday, right? But last Friday, we actually made a reservation for March <laughs> next year. So we've been quoting on bookings and we actually made a booking the other day for March of 2021. And, and most visitors uh, should get a gold pass uh, uh, <laughs> for their endorsement and support for Tassie, I reckon. <laughs> so. Absolutely. Uh, Luke, can I, um, can I just make an observation uh, here that I think actually does hold significant hope and positiveness for the industry. Yeah. Um, our business uh, has spent the money on marketing and promoting Tasmania, and we've actually gone through the process of making the reservations and providing that service, only to now have to turn around. And we've actually cancelled, God, hundreds. Now, I can tell you in dollar terms. I won't tell you, but it's it's significant. So we've actually had to do the, do the work twice. We've actually cancelled it, and now we've refunded the client's money. Yeah. Um, but part of that process, and this is the point I wanted to make, the positive to come out of that process was the many comments from our clients who said, look, we're going to come, we just can't come now. We're going to come later in the year and when things get back, we will but we will come to Tasmania. So, you know, it's it's deferred, it's paused, it's it's whatever. I mean, we'll lose some, we know that. But um we look after the target group every year. There's a classic rally that tours around behind the actual target competitors. Yeah. We've had to cancel and refund all of those. They're pretty much going to arrive in Tasmania late this week. But a lot of those participants come every year and they're already saying, we're coming next year. Can't wait. So, yep. you know, th th there are reasons to be optimistic, but it's the it's the challenge in the short term to get through. And there are a lot of uh, a lot of our operators and a lot of small accommodation operators are having conversations, and we, we're obviously probably fielding a lot of them ourselves, or you and I and others around the industry about when should I accept bookings or when you know I got an inquiry should I take it? When's the right time? I mean, you really have to make <laughs> have to make your own decision. But you know, again, if a, if a visitor to Tasmania's you know got the confidence to be able to plan ahead and willing to make an investment or a booking of your property, you don't say no, do you? Of course not. That, I think that becomes a purely a commercial decision of every business. So, you know, if you if you get an inquiry for September, by all means, take the booking, make sure your terms and conditions are appropriate to the circumstances and let's hope we are doing some work in, in September. You would certainly want to hope that there'll be some intrastate travel in September. Uh, when the interstate borders reopen again, no one no one knows. We'd like to think it's going to be in the latter part of this year. Um, there's talk in the media and from the politicians about international not not coming back till 2021. So we might have a short-term demand there for interstate travel. I think people will probably feel more comfortable travelling within Australia. Yeah. Um, the other thing to hang on to, I talked about the positives before about people's sentiments, but 
One of the things that's come out of this uh, announcement of JobKeeper, which was a significant game changer for our business and and, any, and everybody else for that matter, but it's enabled people to hold on to their annual leave. Yep. So when we come out the other end, there is actually going to be a bank of leave that people can and hopefully will take, depending on their personal finances. And there's also, with the airlines having credited people's travel, um, not refunding, but exactly. providing them credits, yep. There's going to be this bank of travel that people will be hopefully keen to use, and a, and a big desire to get out of um, cabin fever and uh, get out and um, you know feel a bit of normality back into your life and and reconnect, reconnect with your family in less stressful times and holidays. Exactly, are a good way to do it. exactly. And you've got to hang on to those positives in mind. Yeah. You really do. Well, I was interested. I, I know you picked up on the sentiment survey that we released the results on last week, and I think we're all um, in a state of you know really feeling good about you know trying to pick out some wins. The fact that the industry was Understandably, the confidence went through the floor over the uh, over the um, over the next twelve months. Their outlook, but certainly yeah. the next five years, um, the outlook was still incredibly positive. Is that? I guess you know the question is: Is that still your frame of mind? Do you still feel optimistic about your investments? Um, where we'll be in a couple <laughs> of years, the state as a whole, and um, do you still share that sense of optimism that you probably would have had a month ago? Uh, yes, I do. Um, I think the sentiment survey really summed it up pretty well. The general feeling is that the next six to 12 months are going to be pretty tough. Um, but the longer term for Tassie Tourism, the basis of our entire proposition is very, very strong. We've got a very good brand. We've got very high desire, awareness and customer satisfaction. Uh, as long as we've got the affordable access I spoke about before, we've got our ships that we can leverage as a state to our benefit. Um no one really knows the time frame, Luke, and I and I said before I don't want to sound like an economist or too prophetic. Um, you're entitled to an opinion, but I think it's going to be a little bit of hopefully minimising financial losses for the next 12 months in terms of business. And if you can eke out a modest profit after the next 12 months, you'll be doing well, and then rebuilding your respective business in the in the second and third years after. Mm. Um, others will recover quicker. For various reasons, uh, I'm doing scenarios around what does 50% of my revenue look like, what does 75, what does 90, and you know if I can get back to 100% in three to five years, I think that would be a, a pretty good achievement given the circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. so it's all going to look very different. It so will. Uh, I can say that now, but in, ask me again in three months, it could be a different story. <laughs> and that note, we'll get you back in three months after you've had your uh, long service leave break and uh, you'll be in the thick of, thick of it. All right, ranks on that note, thank you. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks to your candor and your uh, insights. I know a lot of operators around the state who are sitting um, in their businesses. Um, uh, uh, I know we can tell from the traffic on these uh, these podcasts that people are looking for insights from um, some of the, the leaders and the experienced heads, and you're certainly one of those. So thanks for joining us. Um, go Saints. <laughs> thanks, Luke. Take care. Cheers. All right, I'm now joined by Simon Current, who's uh, probably, as I said in the introduction, one of the best-known and uh, synonymous uh, individuals of Tasmanian tourism. Simon's uh, brand, his reputation, is known as uh, the founder and developer of Summer Tasmania and Australia's most iconic and best-loved tourism ventures, uh, Cradle Mountain Lodge, Strawn Village, Franklin Manor, Peppermint Bay, Hobart Cruises, and his current operation, Pump House Point at Lake St. Clair in the Tasmanian Wilderness World Heritage Area. Sam's also had a uh, unmatched contribution to the industry and for 15 years was chairman of the Tourism Industry Council of Tasmania, served for many years on the boards of Spirit of Tasmania, TT Line, uh, the operators of Spirit of Tasmania and at Tourism Tasmania, uh, the Tasmanian government's marketing organisation. 
is the first person in Tasmania to be recognised as a Order of Australia for Services to Tourism. He was named Tasmanian of the Year in 2002 and is one of only 17 Australians to have been named an official Australian tourism legend. Simon Current, good morning. Thanks for joining me. Good morning. Now, 38 years you opened up Cradle Mountain Lodge um, around that time frame, which was the same year I was born. Put some context. Um, in nearly 40 years, have you ever seen anything quite like this? No, we haven't. GFC was rugged. The pilot strike was similar, um, but nothing like this. And the prospects are, of course, um, far different. So some have cited the pilot strike. Um, I have uh, very vivid memories of that. Two months of no access into the state, essentially, and right over the peak of the season. Is there any similarities that we can take out of that that experience in this, or is this just on a new level? Well, no, this is on a completely new level um, because yeah, you could still fly in and out of Tasmania even if it was on an RWF Caribou or or Hercules, uh, and you could still go across Bass Strait. So there was a little bit going on. However, this is a complete, utter shutdown. Obviously, interstate, um, intrastate, sorry, has uh, shut down as well. So it's totally different in that respect, damaging from a um, far greater extent. Is there anything you take out of those processes? The one thing I look at, and I think we've always talked about, is the fact that off the back of the GFC, the pilot strike, we've always had a an uptake pretty quick. Is there any any outcomes that or lessons that you can take out of those that give you some comfort around where we're headed or where we're at now, or, for you, or at least for your own operation, or is this just complete unknown? Well, I, I wish I did have some answers. I don't. Um, you know, I'm working hard with a whole range of people and talking to my colleagues all the time uh, about, where, you know, where do we, what do we collectively think, etc. So timing is everything. Um, takes from the past. I don't think there's anything much we can take out um, at this point. We've got such a different scene here now. Are there, what, what do you think of the fundamentals we need to get right? What are the absolute things from an industry and a destination perspective that we need to have in place, you know, the control, things we can control? What do we need to do in the next two, three, four months to make sure that whenever some sense of market normality returns, we're in the position to bounce as strongly as we can out of it? Well, perhaps I'll tell you what I've been doing. Yeah, I've been with my, you know, with a core team of my my incredible people who um, live and work up at Pump House, we've been doing Zoom sessions and we've started from zero base. In other words, we've looked at everything we've done in the last five years, every aspect of our business, we've torn it apart, put it together, what are we doing that's good, what are the things that we should be continuing, what are the things that we might not continue with. And so we're going through and have done pretty well right the way through our business. So we sort of ended up with these are the key things that we would be delivering um, in the future. And there's obviously a bit of guesswork around what are the potential customers going to want to do in, you know, this new times. And um, I guess the only thing that we find that we believe people will be wanting to be more active and 
one of the big things about Pump House, of course, was that do nothing was the biggest activity up there, but yeah. we also have. So we what we're doing is we've torn our business down to nothing and put it back together, and we're now working on delivering the things which we believe people are going to be wanting when we come out of this within the state. Now, there are two distinct strategies. One is within the state, and one of them is after our borders open again, which is a long way off. So there are two strategies, really, so, and um, that's what we're working on. So let's unpack that. So you, you, you've because I think this is this is a fascinating insight. So you, you you've had an operation that since day one has been running well into the nineties. The turned occupancy have been extraordinarily successful on every measure, and you have taken the approach of going back to zero base, rebuild a business plan operations for what you think the the markets that will reopen. It's not going to be business as usual for Pump House. It's going to be a new version of that product. Well, no, it's it's a yeah, but look, it's a different emphasis in a way. It's still the same, still the same unbelievable wilderness and park and all those things. But what do we deliver around that? And what values are people going to want to get nowadays? Um, you could uh, take on this is that a lot of people have been sitting around reading books they never would have read. Mm. So we think there won't be so many wanting to sit around and do nothing. Uh, yeah, it's really a variation on what we've been doing. We've added um, some added um, attractions that would make people say, yes, I think I, I will want to go there. We're in a very, very different position to a lot of places, uh, particularly a lot of um, you know, our, our industry partners who and colleagues who have a B&B somewhere and can service it themselves and do the cleaning. We can't. Mm. It's very, very expensive to operate in that environment. It's People just don't realise how what it costs us uh, to look after a guest. Um, so we have to operate in an environment that says, well, we, there's no point in opening and offering something that we're going to lose more money on. Yeah, We might as well stay sharp. So... That's a whole lot of work we're still doing in that regard. And and you're very much focused on, so we know from the sentiment survey we did last week and anecdotally around the industry that I think around half the industry are thinking that they'll open for intrastate markets, probably about the equivalent number are saying, no, nah, we're going to stay shut till domestic borders are, uh, restrictions are eased. Um, you're very much in the former. You're you're planning to have a product for the, the local Tasmanian market that's that's very much the absolutely. thinking. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely, yeah. I'm absolutely going to have a big go at that. And, but that won't be yeah. uh that won't be as you know it. That won't be a, a what you've been delivering. That'll be a, a, a different refined product. I imagine you will it be the same price point or will you what sort of how are you gonna meet the market given No, no? well more value is probably one way of putting it, uh, rather than dropping price. It's about adding things that people will value into the proposition. Uh, you know, dropping dropping price is one thing, but adding value to what people will get out of it is a better proposition all round. And so that's what I'm focusing on. Yes, it will become more cost-effective for someone to come and stay. Um, we will be including food in our offering. So the, 
it'll be dinner, bed and breakfast offering, which in the past we haven't. Um, so that's that's I'm taking that opportunity. I should have done that in the beginning, but we will be doing that. So I'm not going to be raising our door rates. That's a certainty. <laughs> yeah. But I'll be including more things that people will value. Yeah, so fully inclusive as well. So if you're you're a Tasmanian yeah. wanting to treat yourself, uh, you know, do that do that weekend away or whatever, and pump house is your choice, and you, yeah. you get more value, you'll see more value, and it'll also be you'll know what you're paying. I guess around meeting the point. Exactly, and in addition to that, I'm going to have more gentle activities, so to speak. For instance, we've got a couple of brilliant people up there that are qualified yoga teachers, so we may have a yoga class in the afternoon um, and there we've got people there that are just right up to it with all the flora and fauna and we might have you know conducted walks discovering um, all about that so those are the sorts of things that will be included in in the stay um, there won't be you know sort of extra charge for them so in a way that will cost us um, but I believe that's the way we have to go. We have to be talking about the value of coming to stay with us. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, those, those operators that are in the same boat as you, thinking there's an opportunity of interest state market, what, what what's the trigger for you to launch that product? Are you waiting for a announcement from the government to say restrictions eased or are you going to go earlier or what's your thought process well, about when? you can't. You can't go earlier. There's no question of that. There's no way you could open up beforehand, although I notice there are some people offering rooms. Mm. But according to the rules I read, you can't do it. So the trigger for us will be when the government says, yep, we're going to let Tasmanians travel around the state. Yeah. Now, they might be locked out of the northwest. Who knows? But that's the trigger for us. Yeah. And it's a terribly uncertain time and uh, obviously – we just wait and see, uh, and I'm a great one in believing that we've got to really hit this. And if anyone wants to open up and cause more um, infection around the joint, I won't be supporting it. But the minute the trigger for us will be when the government says, "Yep, Tasmanians, you can travel around the state." So, so that's a, that one. And and what about so? You'd know there'd be, be a lot of businesses that haven't uh, really focused on the interstate market, um, uh, don't have products, of, don't market, perhaps don't have the safe sort of local social media following that. Are, you know, obviously, Pump House is pretty unique, but you know, not 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 even in that in that market at all. It hasn't been something. So, to to make the decision to open, um, especially if you're saying a, tr- a tour operator or an experience operator rather than accommodation, what what do you reckon the what do you reckon an operator needs to be really certain about? Before they make the decision to go hard on that on the interstate market, what 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 do you, it's not literally just going to be drop a social media post and hope that the Tasmanians book is it? It's gonna they're gonna to have to really try and do what you're doing around refining your product or your your price point well, or whatever. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Well, number one, invest in the experience. What is it that they're going to come and buy? Number two, tell everyone about it that it's available. And in a lot of ways, Luke, because it's all new ground, hope and pray enough of them want it yeah. and can afford it. So that's one aspect of it. But um, thinking about who knows how many of us are going to feel, yep, I can spend um, 
you know, a thousand bucks to go away for the weekend and have a, an incredible experience. Who knows? We don't know, but oh, we're going. We're going to invest in this, yeah, and and give it a go. That's oh, that's all I can really say about it. In the winter, we seventy five percent of our occupancy at Pump House over the last five years has been Tasmanians right. through the winter. So, if we open up in the next two or three months, we can still be in winter, and I'm sure that a lot of people will still want to come. Uh, from Tasmania. And then my thinking is, you know, the opening up Tasmania's borders to intrastate, uh, sorry, interstate, interstate market is going to be, I don't think we've got to be thinking, you know, 18 months to two years before that happens. 18 months to two and, years. Uh, yep. Interstate borders. Well, well <laughs> tell me why they should or would open up if there is still coronavirus, given mm. The actual trigger for that will be there is a vaccine out there and available or there's a cure out there and available so that we are certain that we're not going to be bringing a whole lot of people in who can start it up again. That's the only certainty that, as far as I'm concerned, that I would bank on opening up for people coming in from um, the mainland. There has to be certainty that we're not going to reignite it. Yeah, I, I get that. Um, the I guess the, the trade-off, though, at some point, you know, I think it's all about suppression on the mainland as much as cutting the numbers down. So, you know, they're never going to obviously eradicate it, but at some point... Um, well, yeah, but at some point they'll have a vaccine Yeah. or they'll have another cure. They'll. <laughs> that's how it'll be. I don't think... I can't remember what they call it, but letting it run right until yeah, the herd, herd is yeah. immune. <laughs> um, I just can't see how that can happen. However, maybe. Uh, so when that, whenever that happens, I'm I'm sure it's all hoping <laughs> sooner than eighteen months. But yeah, God, um, we'll all be going for the, um, we'll all be moving to pump house. I suspect if it's eighteen months, um, just to um, <laughs> growing veggie patches. Um, if if it whenever that green light happens, six months, twelve months, eighteen months, or whatever, um, what are the things that the state or the destination or the industry? What are the things we need to be doing absolutely from the get go to get as quick a bounce back as we can? What what do you think the fundamentals are? Access, product, branding, marketing. What is it? Given we all the unknowns around the market, and we don't know what sort of a economic situation we're going to be opening into on the mainland, as you say. You know, how, how widespread would the disease be by then? Um, what, are, what are we going to have to get right? What can we control? Well, the things we can control is delivering our brand. I don't think um, I don't think there's anything wrong with our brand or the demand for it is, I believe, totally uh, that our brand is going to be attractive to a whole tens of thousands of people who are not going to be wanting to go overseas for a while. So straight off the bat, there's an opportunity. So this is also about reinforcing our brand and what does Tasmania offer. Now, that's the navel-gazing. It's what I've been doing for Pump House around the intrastate market, obviously looking at what might they be wanting. So that's where the work needs to go into how and what of our brand do people want and then how do we get the message out there that, you know, in the marketplace that this is the place to get it. Now, I I have yet to meet anyone that says that we are actually going to come out of this um, with no 
no people wanting to come to Tassie. That, that's mm. it's going to be an, an increased um, market for us. On top of that, think about all these thousand, one thousand or so hotel rooms that were just about to be opened in the next twelve months here. Those <clears throat> investors aren't going to sit on their hands. They're going to wanting to investing in the market to get them to come to Tasmania as well. Tourism Tasmania has a big part to play in this, obviously, um, and hopefully they're working very hard um, at this time in looking at the two markets, intrastate and interstate. Mm. Forget the overseas one. You don't need to spend a cent in that market. It would be absolutely stupid to do that in my view. So it's all about thinking on two strategies, intrastate and interstate. So investing in there in a clever way needs good leadership from Tourism Tasmania and a commitment to delivering in a timely fashion. When the when the flag goes down, bang, it's out right. there. You're worried about the situation, Virgin? The second no, carrier? I'm not. Look, Luke, this is one of the things that needs knocking on the head. Virgin was absolutely stuffed before this happened. <laughs> and go back and look at seven years of economic bloody disaster. They, I mean, why should we be rescuing what is essentially a foreign airline? Someone else will step in yeah. and pick up the pieces. I think it is totally immoral for the federal government or any state government to be investing in rescuing Virgin, keeping the airline afloat for someone to come in and buy it and operate it in an efficient way that doesn't lose money, yeah. absolutely. That's where the support's needed, not in rescue packages to um, rescue a business that has essentially um, been absolute failure. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's tough when you look at their shareholding and, you know, what, what bailouts actually mean is writing out checks to, uh, let's be honest, Singaporean and Chinese uh uh, shareholders, which are the majority, and it's not, you know, it's not an Australian company, or it's not, it's not like Ansett. No, no. All I, right. I don't have a difficulty with foreign ownership of that, of that airline. What I do have a difficulty is that anyone, it's totally immoral for anyone to be going out there and saying you've got to rescue them. Well, you have a look at the owners and have a look. They have put millions and millions, hundreds of millions, into a failed model. Yeah. That doesn't mean there isn't an opportunity here. In the beginning, Virgin saw an opportunity, went for it, and did a great job. Yeah. And the reality is, so I guess my point about concerned about it, we, we need a, a, a good competitive market for air access, um, the notion of having a, a, a monopoly uh, carrier, no matter how, you know, who it is. Um, it obviously doesn't bode well for us around access, does it? Does it well, well the, the fact, cold facts are that propping up another you know, airline to compete with Qantas is a silly notion. I think the people in Qantas are smart enough, and they certainly were in terms of the Tasmanian market. Jetstar obviously carries the majority of passengers in and out. They'll continue to do that, and they'll match the market. If there's a demand there for people to come in on $90 fares, well, they'll they'll certainly awesome. run their business to that, and yeah. that's what they've been doing. Now, I absolutely do we need a two full-service airlines into Tasmania? No. We probably need another Jetstar, the original Virgin. Yeah, original a, Virgin. a competitor there would be great, yep. but not under a propped-up model that is not, you know, it's just demonstrated as being a failure. 
Last question. Uh, you, in 10 years, I've heard you be nothing but overwhelmingly positive and the industry's greatest advocate about being positive about tourism and its value to the state and um, the, the potential of our tourism industry to create economic well-being. And, you know, fair to say probably the hardest thing for all of us over the last few weeks is to see um, that, you know, that fact, that proven success of the industry so so badly hit. Are you still as positive about the value of tourism to Tasmania's future as you were a month ago? I'm a pragmatist and I'm a realist, Luke, and I cannot find any reason not to be totally positive about our future in tourism. Totally. Um, our future definitely isn't tens of thousands of people on cruise ships, leaving aside the health issues. That is not our brand, nothing to do with us and shouldn't be. It is also um, not mass tourism. We've got a fantastic offering here. The demand will still be there. We've just got to get it out there and, and be able to deliver it. On that note, thank you, Simon. Thanks for joining us. Um, it's been a fascinating conversation, both yourself and Ranks. You're, uh, as I say, I think I used the word, uh, probably about 80 years of, uh, of combined experience um, and lived experience in uh, Tasmanian tourism between the two of you and the, the commonality of perspectives and, and also both your, your passion for the uh, the industry keeps shining through. And uh, thank you. Um, this is a special COVID-19 Talking Tourism episode. Uh, today we're releasing uh, three other episodes, including one with Premier Peter Gutwin. If you, you get the chance to have a listen to that, I strongly recommend it. And uh, every two weeks, TRCT will be releasing fresh new episodes with conversations um, with people like Simon Ranks and, and others about uh, as we evolve through this um, this uh, COVID-19 crisis and into our response period. Uh, thank you for joining us. My name's Luke Martin and, uh, and enjoy the rest of your day. You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism.